Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone. You may be seated. Well, I am Pastor Danny, and I am one of the pastors on staff here. And I want to say that I am truly excited to be before you this morning. It's been a minute, and I'm excited that I get to be before you and speak to you from what I know God has given me. We are in our Summer in the Series, Summer in the Scripture series called What is in the Bible and Why? Now, over these last few weeks, the preaching team has taken us from Genesis all the way through the books of Acts. And so today, I will continue in this series with the epistles. But before we get started and we get too deep in, let's pray. Gracious God, I thank you so much for this day. We thank you for another opportunity to be before your presence. God, we pray that you would have your way. God, our spirits are open. Our hearts are ready to be filled with everything you have to give to us. So God, I pray that as I speak, it would be exactly what you want your children to hear. God, we honor you and we thank you and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so of the 27 books in the New Testament, there are 21 that are considered the epistles. They're also called letters many of which were written by Paul. Now, the epistles begin with the book of Romans, and it ends with the book of Jude. And the purpose of the epistles is to give guidance on how to be Christ's followers. There are some great takeaways from the epistles, and I encourage you, when you have a moment, go through and actually read them. But there are two themes that stick out. One is through Christ, we have been given grace and it matters how we live. Now, next week, our high school director, Ben Zulsdorf, is going to share on the former topic. But today, I want to focus our time on the gift of grace through Jesus Christ. Therefore, I have titled today's message, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. Now, depending on your unique expression or how you see grace, you may come up with many images. For example, you may picture this, a family at a dinner table holding hands, giving thanks and gratitude for the food that God blessed them with. Or maybe you may see this, you know, if you enjoy watching English Renaissance movies as much as I do. Perhaps you see someone like this, Queen Elizabeth I, who's honorably greeted with your grace, right? And as you see, she loves to use baby powder as her makeup of choice, <laughs> right? But then some of you who are a little bit more cultured may envision this. Two dancers, beautifully, graciously light on their feet, elegantly dancing across the stage. Yeah, this depicts what grace looks like the physical. You know, if you visualize any of those things, you're not wrong. Those are examples of grace. Just not the grace that I want to talk about today. Now, I want to talk about the grace that only comes through Jesus Christ. This amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was blind, but now I see. 
I was lost and now I'm found. You see, these lyrics of this popular song describe so passionately how the grace of God transforms someone's life. Now, grace can be defined as this. Grace is the unmerited favor of God given to us through Jesus Christ. That's why it's called a gift. It's nothing we can do, nothing we will ever do, nothing we have done to earn it. It's given to us because God's profound love for us. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay, so last month, we celebrated my daughter's sixth birthday, and my family took a, took a trip to Disney World all the way in Florida. Though those days were long and hot, Jesus, it was hot, okay? It was fun, and we had a blast. Now, while we were there, we got to see some of the Disney princesses. Do you all remember Sleeping Beauty? Yeah? You know, the princess that was cursed into a deep sleep and nothing we could do or it could be done to wake her except for a kiss from the prince. Okay, so now this may be a stretch, okay? But imagine I'm that princess, okay? And I've been awakened from a deep sleep. I mean, it's a huge story. The news, everybody wants to cover me. And they're asking this question, what did you do to break the curse? What should I say? Man, I couldn't say, well, I just thought about it and decided, I think it's time to wake up. I also couldn't say, well, I just claimed the victory for myself. It'd be even harder to say, I asked the prince to come, and he came. I couldn't say any of that. Because remember, I was asleep. I was cursed. So what could I say? See, my only response is, I didn't break the curse. The prince did. See, that's what Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. How did we break the curse of sin? We didn't. God did. Through his sacrifice of Christ. See, it was the holy prince's kiss that woke us up. Except we weren't a sleeping beauty. We were lifeless corpses. See, God had to make us alive, not just wake us up. And when Christ gave up his life, family, he gave us grace. Now, some of you who have been walking with God a long time know exactly what it means to have grace. But for those of you who may not, let me tell you, when you have grace, that means you are forgiven. Grace means forgiveness. Ephesians chapter one, verse one through Ephesians chapter one, verse seven says, "In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with 
the riches of God. You know, I accepted Christ for the first time when I was seven years old. I still remember that day. It was a hot day, another hot day. I don't know why I spend most of my days in the heat. Um, so the windows in our little church were open. You could hear the cars passing by. I also remember my grandmother getting onto my cousin because he was late. That was a no-no in our house, okay? I also remember the choir singing songs so loud that the folks all the way uptown could hear some foot clomping, stomping, hand clapping, tambourines. You could hear it all. And our reverend, Reverend Wilson, preached a sermon. And after that sermon, two deacons pulled out two chairs in our little country church and sat them in front. And Reverend Wilson said, like he always would say every Sunday, the doors of the church are open. Is there one? I remember sitting and tapping my feet and wondering, okay, is it me, is it me? And nervously, I decided to get up out of my seat. I walked down that, that little short walkway and sat in one of those chairs. And everyone in the church, they cheered and they clapped. The pastor prayed and I recited a prayer and at that moment, I became a child of God. See, it would be great to say that after that moment, things were perfect. <laughs> but I'd be misleading you. You see, I remained as faithful as I could until I got to college. Yeah, I decided that being that good Christian girl was no longer for me, and I hung up the Christian hat to put on the party girl hat. Yeah, I made so many mistakes. I ruined so many relationships. I broke the hearts of my loved ones over and over again. But one day I decided that life, was, life like that was over, and I asked God's to forgive me. I asked for his forgiveness. And at that moment, I received God's gift of grace yet again. But you know what I found out? God's grace had always been with me. Though I willingly tried to give it back, he didn't take it. This is because nothing we can do or not do can separate us from the love of Christ. See, once we give our life to Jesus, that gift of God, that gift of grace, it remains with us. This is because no matter how I lived, Christ had already redeemed me. His life paid the price for our sin, past, present, and future. Family, God's grace is never predicated on our ability to not make mistakes. His forgiveness, his grace was given to us simply because he loves us, no strings attached. Ephesians 2, 8, 4, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Your faith in Jesus' redemptive power is what activates that grace on your life. You see, this grace was not free. Christ significantly paid it with his life. It cost them everything, but you were worth it. It was worth it. We were worth it. See, God's forgiveness, this grace he gave us, granted us the opportunity to become his children, and it provided a free way back to him by 
See, once we accept this forgiveness given freely to us through the grace of God, we also gain access to the only thing we need to please him, his help. Point two says grace means help. Ephesians 4, 7, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Okay, so in context, this scripture is referring to spiritual gifts. But this scripture can also be applied to our need for God's grace in terms of help. See, that grace that helps us to succeed is the same grace that helps us to do hard things and remain faithful in hard seasons. Okay, so let me explain it like this. Okay, here we go. I am what you would call a heavy sleeper. I sleep really hard. I remember one time my mom said I slept through the worst tornado our county had ever experienced. So imagine now the anxiety I felt when I was bringing home a newborn baby. Gosh, I was so worried I wouldn't hear her cry. It's like, what am I going to do? I sleep so hard. What if she's crying and I don't hear her? I remember sharing this with my mother-in-law, and she comforted me by saying, don't worry about that. God's given mothers an internal alarm clock, and it'll just turn on. It'll happen. Don't you even worry about it. So I trusted her. I mean, she had raised six children, so I trusted her. Our first night home, I fell asleep. That was a... That was a gift of grace in itself. (laughs) I fell asleep, and sure enough, I woke up, not to my daughter crying, but just to her whimpering. That went on night after night. I would just wake up. That had never happened before. That internal alarm clock my my mother-in-law talked about was actually there, and I believed it was the grace of God. He gave me the grace I needed to hear my baby and to tend to her needs. Now, though, that wake-up grace, I don't know, it seemed to have disappeared a little bit. (laughs) I don't hear anything anymore. My daughter calls, and for some reason, I don't know, my husband is the only one that hears her. (laughs) He says, don't you, I don't see how you don't hear her anymore. I'm like, I know, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. All jokes aside, though. God gives each of us the exact amount of grace we need when we need it. And for however long we need it, no matter how challenging the task or the season, God's grace is given out to us personally. See, he sees our life all at once and has in place the grace needed for everything we will experience. You know, from studying to pass your boards to the loss of a loved one, from your first car accident to faith during a time of sickness. He knows exactly what we need and how to meet that need. And by his grace, he helps us to overcome. Whatever the situation, the task, season, test, or trial, we need not to worry. God has already laid out the amount of grace or help we need to do everything he's called us to do. 
Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, during the most challenging seasons, God's grace was undeniably present in my life. Each day, each moment, and second, when it felt like I couldn't take any more, I would feel myself getting a little stronger. I'd feel a little bit more peace overwhelming me. And when people would ask, how are you getting through this? Gosh, the only thing I could say is, by the grace of God. See, it can be easy for us to try to give credit for us maintaining to something else or to someone else. But when that happens, though, we must not forget that grace also means humility. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one, can boast. Okay, so I think it's time I just say it. And I see a few of you have been whispering and looking. I peeked the cell stairs. So let's just address the elephant in the room. I'm not 16. <laughs> I know, shocking, right? I'm not 16 anymore. And because I'm not 16 anymore, I can't do the things I could do when I was 16 or at least not at that level, hence why I'm slightly limping today. (laughs) My dear husband (laughs) and one of my friends here at the church convinced me to join a soccer team, okay? Not not just, you know, let's go play outside and have a good time. No, a league, okay? A soccer league, because I played soccer when I was a kid, right? And so after a few weeks of prayer and thinking, I said, you know what, what the heck? How hard could it be? So I suited up, I prepared myself, I was warmed up. I felt great on my first game. But I did pray, Lord, don't let that ball come my way. (laughs) I did pray that. And that prayer was answered for the first few minutes, okay? Until, I don't know why, but one of my teammates thought it would be a good idea to pass me the ball. And it was no avoiding it. I had to go after it. So I ran after it, I kicked it, passed it. I actually did pretty good, I was shocked. But then there was this unleveled ground that I didn't know was there, and yep, boom, stopped on a dime and hurt my knee. First 10 minutes of the game. I'm like, sub. (laughs) Y'all, I was so embarrassed. (laughs) I was like, how could I be asking for a sub in the first 10 minutes of the game? Every negative thought I could think about myself started to overwhelm me at that moment. But my husband and my dear friend, Pastor Ben, was there to cheer me on. And I tell you, Pastor Ben, he said this. He said, look, you're old now. (laughs) You're a mom. You haven't run like this in 20 years. Of course you got hurt. He's such a sweet talker, right? But he also said, but look at you. You're giving it a shot anyway. Give yourself some grace. He was right. Now, he started off a little rough, okay? He did. But I needed to recognize that I wasn't 16 anymore. 
I needed to be humble and know that, gosh, what I did then, I can't compare to what I'm doing now. I had to give myself some grace and acknowledge what I was actually accomplishing. So that meant that I needed to rest this week and maybe give myself some grace and try it again. You know, God knows, y'all, how to humble us, doesn't he? He know how to humble us. Because I'm super competitive. And had I been out there balling out like Crystal Dunn, <laughs> the world would have known. I would have told the world. But I got a little humility. But he never does this in a way that feels like you're judged or you're ashamed or guilt. No, God doesn't do that. God helps us through his grace, humble us by helping us to see our limitations so that we can recognize his strength. See, this helps us to keep things in perspective. So you cannot have grace without humility. It just simply cannot be done. We are to offer grace to others. But if we don't offer it to ourselves first, how can we truly know what grace is? Now, this is not to say we should be self-deprecating. No, that's not humility. It's actually not that at all. See, to humble yourself is to demote or lower yourself in your estimation. C.S. Lewis says it like this, humility is not to think less of yourself, but to think of yourself less. You see, this life we live is not about us. It's not even about someone else. It's all about God. And it's by his grace we get to live inside his will. You know, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 9, Paul clarifies that God's grace saves believers through faith and not works, so that no one can ever say anything. And we can never do anything to earn this salvation or even be good enough to deserve it. You know, if you don't remember anything, remember this. God freely gives his grace as a gift because of his kindness and because of his love, even though we're unworthy of it. If we want to start to beat ourselves up about our past or believe negatively about ourselves, grace comes and comforts us. God's grace also tells us that we're the apple of his eye, and he loves us. But on the flip side, though, when we become a little arrogant, and as my grandma would say, we get too big for our britches. <laughs> Grace, in the most gracious, sweetest way, humbles us to remind us what it really is about. It's not about us. It's about God. See, God's grace is multi-layered. This amazing grace, this unmerited favor from God is a gift. It's a gift that costs a whole lot, but it's available to whomever wants to receive it. Free of charge, no strings attached. Family, I'm not sure where you are today. I'm not sure what place you're in. Do you need to accept the grace of God today? That grace that reminds you that you've been forgiven. Your sins have been washed clean. If that's you, then I encourage you to pray and ask God to 
give you that gift, that free gift. Or maybe you need to be reminded that God's grace is the help that you need. That all the help you need is grace from God. Or maybe, maybe, you just need to lay down your will and pick up his and find some humility in that grace. Grace for yourself, grace over your situation, grace over anything that you experience. I promise you, whatever you think, whatever it is, God is strong in our weakness. So wherever you are, God's grace is enough. You just have to accept it. This amazing grace, this unfailing love, this amazing grace that saved a wretch like you and me. Today, I invite you to celebrate this grace that has been given to us. I invite you now to stand to your feet and let's together give God some praise. This is a happy moment. This free gift is good. It's a good thing, right? This is a good thing. And we want to celebrate that. So let's allow the praise worship team to lead us in some time of prayer and praise. Amen.